this time last week, I went to the Emirati Hospital in Rafa in the Gaza Strip, and it was just a scene of chaos. I spoke to nurses who said that they were treating hundreds more patients every week than they did previously, and so many of those had complications. I'm sorry to jump in, but just to talk about those complications, we've heard reports from UNICEF that mothers might be having to be operated on without anaesthesia. Yeah, that's right. We've heard reports, particularly in the north, of mothers having to have caesarean sections to give birth without anaesthetic, which I can only imagine the amount of trauma that would stay with you for the rest of your life, having that kind of surgery without any painkillers. So what do you hear from those who are desperate for help? All of the women that I spoke to spoke about the challenges that they had during pregnancy getting medical care. For many of them, they had problems or scares during their pregnancy, such as a woman who was buried under the rubble after an attack and the baby stopped moving. She wasn't able to get a scan to check whether the baby was okay. These sorts of things add to the trauma of a pregnancy, not being able to get food and clean water add to the trauma of a pregnancy. And then when they finally come to give birth, they're among hundreds of other women doing the same in an environment where there aren't enough staff and not enough medicine. It seems hard to imagine having to contemplate giving birth in a war zone. How many children have been born since the war started 105 days ago? So we estimate that we're almost at 20,000 babies born into this war in those 105 days, which, you know, no child should have to live in these sorts of of circumstances, let alone 20,000 new babies who the first weeks of their life uh, are war and terror. And they're brought back to most of them to makeshift shelters where they're living in the freezing cold. I saw one baby leaving the hospital a few hours after it was born completely naked because the mother didn't have a blanket or clothes or anything for the baby. Do you know what's happened to that newborn? I know that it was going back to a tent on the streets of Rafa to its father and siblings. All of the siblings were sick. I don't know what's happened to the baby since then. How can the UN help these people? What is UNICEF doing, the UN Children's Fund, doing to help people? There are reports that aid is being taken directly off truck and understandably so because people are desperately hungry. How's UNICEF helping those who are the most vulnerable, who can't get to those trucks, for example? Yeah, it's a good question. If you're a pregnant mum, you're not going to be able to you know, grab things off those trucks as they're passing by. But that's why we have been doing everything we can to make sure that the aid reaches hospitals. And I'm happy to say that it has reached Emirati Hospital, which is where I visited and where so many of these mothers are in need. We dropped off medical supplies, hygiene supplies, some clothes um, and nutrition supplies to make sure that the pregnant women are, are keeping their nutrition levels up as well as formula for the babies. So this this aid is so desperately needed and far more of it needs to get in because the needs escalate every single day. So you've been in, Rafa, you've been to the Emirati Hospital. Are hospitals safe places to be at the moment? No, hospitals are meant to be protected in these conflicts. And what we've seen throughout the duration of this escalation is that hospitals have continued to come under attack. So just 48 hours ago, I was in the Gaza Strip in NASA Hospital and meeting families there. I met 
children who were incredibly ill from pre-existing conditions and they'd not been able to get medicine. And I also met children who were recovering from surgery after being hit by shrapnel and, and other direct impacts of the conflict. I met one seven one thirteen year old boy um, called Ibrahim who his hand is, had been hit by shrapnel, and um, because he wasn't able to get medical care quickly, he it became infected, and then he got gangrene, and there was no medicine to treat that, and so his whole arm had to be amputated, and that was done without anaesthetic. I met him in NASA hospital on Tuesday afternoon, and on Tuesday night. Thousands of people fled that hospital because the fighting closed in. I don't know where Ibrahim and his mum are now. I hope that they're safe, but hospitals must be safe places. Uh, it's, it's imperative. Just remind me how many children are being born every day in Gaza and perhaps finally what the situation might be, given there's a telecommunications blackout in most of the Strip, in the areas where you can't reach further north. So... We estimate that there's 183 babies born into the Gaza Strip every day. That's a baby born into this horrendous war every 10 minutes. Now, many of these babies are being born in the north. And as you say, there have been challenges with access to the north. We know that there are three maternity hospitals that are trying to function up there. They're only partially functioning and that there are women up there seeking to use those services. So we've managed to get a little bit of medicine up there recently via a, a convoy that um, included WHO. But UNICEF itself, we haven't been able to have access to the north at all this year. So we desperately need to get up there. We need the safety assurances required to make that mission so that we can help the women and children in the north. What's your final message, Tess Ingram, from the UN Children's Fund, given that you've seen this at first hand, you know how dire things are. What should happen next? We need an immediate ceasefire. I know we keep saying that, but having seen it firsthand, that really is the only way that we're going to be able to make a dent in this terrible situation. And I think for the mothers and the and the small children that are continuing to try and survive in Gaza, to try and hang on, they're exhausted. This is taking a toll on their mental health. And as one lady, Michelle, told me, she... Um, she had lost her baby. Um, she'd been carrying the baby for four months and she'd known for about a month that the baby hasn't survived. She's still waiting for medical care. And she said to me, it's okay. It's best that a baby isn't born into this nightmare. So that is not acceptable. We need to do something to help women like Michelle. We need to remember that it's not just the bombs and the bullets that are killing children. We're now seeing children die from the humanitarian crisis on the ground. Doctors told me of newborn babies dying a few days after being born because the mum was undernourished and the babies were born weak and couldn't survive. I heard of a child that died from hypothermia because he didn't have warm clothes and he was sleeping on the streets. He was two. And I know of a 10-year-old that died because he couldn't get the medicine that he needed for a pre-existing condition. This is all preventable if we can only get aid in to help these children.